Everybody. Welcome into Living Off the Land. This is episode 257. I'm your host, Dan, here with my co-host, as always, Stephen. Stephen, it's Wednesday. And you know what that means. It's LOTL time. And we've got ourselves a great show tonight. And your beer entrance was a little interesting. It was, like, very subtle. What are you drinking uh, over there? Well, that's because I'm not drinking it out of the can. And to be honest with you, uh, this isn't going to be much review because it's not... It's not a craft beer tonight. Mm. Let me tell you something. Let me talk to you. Shout out to uh, L.A. Knight. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, for, for those of you who follow wrestling, uh, you'll know that reference. And for 99% of you that don't, uh, you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So I'm just going to keep keep moving here. Um, I just got done cutting my grass. And... When it is 70-plus degrees outside and you get done cutting your grass, there are few things better than a post-grass-cutting, lawn-mowing beer. Mm. And my beer of choice, when I am done mowing my lawn in the summertime, when it's above 70... I don't always cut my grass, but when I do... (laughs) It is not Dos Equis. (laughs) It is a Mexican, uh, what is this, lager? Pilsner. Mexican Pilsner, Cerveza, Modelo Especial. Mm. Uh, this is uh, probably my favorite Mexican beer. Um, and it is my favorite beer to drink when I am done either working in the yard, mowing my lawn, um, or doing anything outside. Come in, crack one of these open, and just enjoy and relax the rest of the evening. So that is what I am doing. I am drinking a Modelo Especial, and that's this week's Beer of the Week, short and sweet. Oh, very short and sweet indeed. Um, yeah, because I, I was thinking Mexican with the Dos Equis, but uh, there there you go. So you got the Modelo, which Modelo, of course, is uh, sponsored by our very own champion from Cleveland, uh, Stevie Miocic. Mm-hmm. He's been featured in their ad campaigns. Anyway, we, uh, we're going to talk about Better Know a Neighborhood, and this Sunday is Mother's Day. For those of ah, you that yes, are it is. not in the know and have not done anything for your mothers of yet, you have only a few days to do something or else risk, risk being browbeaten for the next 12 months. <laughs> so consider this your friendly warning. Um, but anyway, we are going to talk about a community that was pretty is kind of similar in a lot of ways to the community we talked about last week, which was Lorraine. This was the community that was my mother's alma mater way back in the day. Ah. Uh, oddly enough, one Jimmy DeMora was actually in her graduating class. Oh, boy. This high school. Uh, it's on the southeast side Shout of Cuyahoga County. <laughs> 26 years. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, this community is on the southeast side of Cuyahoga County. It has a... Very vibrant Metro Parks Reservation as part of it. It has one of the largest auto malls in the country, let alone the state of Ohio. I'm talking about the city of Bedford. Mm. 
Bedford is a community of roughly 40,000 people. It is on the southeast side of Cuyahoga County, as I said. It is bordered on the northwest by Maple Heights, on the south, on the southwest by Walton Hills, on the south by Oakwood Village, and then on the northeast by Bedford Heights, and also on the north by North Randall. Roughly, Rockside Road is your northern boundary, and then... Uh, it's the rest of the boundaries don't really run along roads for the most part. The southern boundary mostly runs along the Metro Parks Reservation, and I four eighty two seventy one kind of runs along the eastern edge of it. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the park to start with because the Bedford Reservation is one of the largest reservations out there. It's on par with the Rocky River Reservation and the North Chagrin Reservation and the Mill Stream Run Reservation in Strongsville uh, for its depth and gravity. Uh, running for, I, I mean, almost six miles, actually, from, it actually is almost like a Y shape. It starts out almost along the Cuyahoga River, intersecting with the Cuyahoga Valley National Park, uh, up by Rockside Road, almost toward the Independence area, and then just kind of running along the river and then turning along tur Tinker's Creek Road, and it continues to go along Tinker's Creek Road all the way out, again, almost to downtown Bedford, nearly mm. six miles away. So it's... Per, again, perfect area. We're talking about outside, smelling the green grass, smelling the flowers, the mayflowers that were created by all the April showers and crazy cold we had in the back half of April. Uh, we're through all that, and it's a great time to get outside and, and do that. And perhaps you need a new ride. And the Bedford Auto Mile is a great place to get yourself a new pair of wheels if you're in the need for one. The Bedford Auto Mile, if you can believe this, employs about 1,700 people in 26 new and used car dealerships. That is a lot. Pretty much any type of car from almost anywhere in the world you could get on this little stretch of Rockside, mostly along Rockside Road, but along a couple other roads in the area. And the Bedford Auto Mile got started in the 1920s as uh, Lynn Horton and her brother Ralph Horton opened their first car <coughs> dealership in Bedford in 1923 which was a dealership of the Ford Motor Company, but quickly expanded to other makes of cars such as Chevrolet, DeSoto, and Plymouth, which is now a Chrysler-owned uh, brand. And Tim Lally Chevrolet, which is one of the most famous Chevrolet dealerships in the state, was uh, is still headquartered here on the Bedford Auto Mile. And What's their jingle? Do they have a jingle? Oh, God. you got me on that one. Yeah. Every every big every big uh, auto dealership around here has got a jingle like yeah. Liberty's in na, 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 na. Liberty Ford does have um, a does have a branch there. We're the Fred Martin Car Guys. We know cars. Get a great deal and a great deal more <laughs> at my fast forward. Oh yeah. gosh, what else is out there? <laughs> there's there's definitely your fair share of them, but yeah, I mean. Audi, Hyundai, Toyota, Volkswagen, Mitsubishi, pretty much any car, Mazda, any car brand you can pick like up, you can one. pretty much get. Um, again, right where Broadway Avenue, Route 14, intersects Rockside Road, that's that's where the heart of it is, and it kind of just extends along Rockside as you get up towards Center Road uh, on the west side of Bedford. If you want to talk about residential neighborhoods, Bedford's average home price is about 102000 Thousand, excuse me, $132,000. That's, that's very, I'm moving to Bedford. That is very cheap, quite yeah, frankly, for 
uh, not being in the city and being at an outer, you know, suburb of Cuyahoga County. Um, and it's also a very diverse community. It's almost 50-50 between white and African-American with a smattering of other uh, races and nationalities as well. Uh, that whole southeast side of town is actually one of the more diverse parts of the city where you have some, you actually have a lily white community, Solon, which is right next door, but then also almost right next door is Warrensville Heights, which is like 95% black. And then you have a few other communities in there like Maple Heights and Bedford Heights, which are very diverse, like 60-40, almost 50-50. So if that's something that suits your fancy, then that's um, definitely an appeal of this area. You know, just outside of Bedford, you have a couple of uh, sites of, of interest. One, or just across in Randall is where the Jack Thistledown Racino is. Uh, the Amazon Distribution Hub is just over there, just on the other side of I-480. Um, in terms of the actual, and in terms of the actual downtown, the actual downtown of Bedford is one of the nicest in the area. I I would put it up there almost with, <coughs> almost with the likes of Berea, Hudson, and a few other communities. Uh, Medina, I mean, Bedford might not be quite on that level, but it's almost. Yeah. You have a nice little green space there, and then you've got a, a right along Broadway Avenue, you've got um, local shops on both sides of the road uh, for almost half a mile. Hmm. Uh, the Tomato Company, which is a, a pizza <laughs> shop, is right there. That's a really highly rated pizza shop. Los Gallos Mexican Restaurant is a pretty highly rated Mexican place. That's right on Broadway Avenue and Powers Road, uh, right in the center of town. And then a lot of the, the rest of it. Uh, Bedford Falls Cafe, which is just a little bit further down the road at the corner of Park Street and uh, Route 14. That's another one. And then one place I might need to check out uh, is Crave Cafe, which is a coffee and ice cream shop. Uh, anywhere that has great hard serve ice cream, I am definitely in for. Uh so next time I'm in this area, that's one I'm probably going to want to check out. That is also at the corner of North Park Street and Broadway Avenue, Ohio Route 14. So definitely a lot you, to offer. So are you a, are you a bigger fan of hard serve ice cream than soft serve? Yeah, I am. Interesting. Not, not that I dislike soft serve, but yeah, yeah, just like just almost like you have to chew it a little bit, and it's got to, particularly if it's like chocolate chip or chocolate chip cookie dough, and it's got other stuff in it. It's just you know. The texture of it, I just kind of prefer over soft serve, I guess. Hmm. I know you're yeah, more I'll, of a soft serve guy. So I, well, I mean, soft serve is, is like you got to eat it like as soon as you get it. Yeah, because otherwise it's going to melt. Yeah. I mean, yeah. hard serve does too, but you have a little bit of a window there. And but. then you got your kind of hybrid stuff like East Coast <clears throat> custard, which is like not really soft serve or hard serve. It's Oh, East Coast cool. is soft serve. I mean, I mean it, technically it's not even it ice is, cream. It's custard. It, it's like, yeah, I'll... It, it's but it's soft serve. I mean, that's a lot that, more solid than your standard soft serve. I think. I don't think so. Hmm. I don't think so. Hmm. I mean, that stuff starts to melt as soon as they put it in your hand. Anyway. Anyhow, if you're <laughs> in the golf, Shawnee Hills Golf Hell Course yeah. is right on Egbert Road near the boundary with Walton Hills. That's an, a nice 18-hole track. I, I'm trying to think of the last time I played there. That might have been like five years ago. It's been a while since I've played in any courses on that side of town, but uh, that's definitely a place to yeah. check out. Oh, by the way, speaking of golf, uh, <clears throat> not to hijack your segment, I, I went golfing on Monday with uh, former co-hosts of uh, this podcast, Ryan and Jimmy. Uh, Ryan had never golfed before on a golf course. Wow. He's been taking lessons, and he's been he's been hitting at the driving range, so he's, he's getting into golf. 
And Jimmy's been playing for a year, and we played even par in a scramble. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Just nine holes. That's all. Well, still. But, you guys yeah. have any birds in there? I'm guessing you had at least a couple. Yeah, we had you. a couple bogeys, a couple birdies. Nice. Yeah. So we uh, <clears throat> we we hit green and regulation on a par five and then three putt of the 20-footer. Oh. <laughs> or else we would have been under par probably. Oh, that's just – that's awful. So – but it was fun. So Ryan actually uh, – uh, the 18th at Ridgewood uh, parred that hole by himself. It's a par three. Okay. Yeah. He's never golfed before. And he just got a natural par. Well, yeah, because we, we used all of his shots. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah. So, I mean, so, he can, so he can claim that he – well, we kind of used all his shots. We had we had we had two two tee shots that were basically like the same, so we putted both of them. So, I mean, whatever. It was it was Ryan's first time out, so you know we're not and we're not we're not playing in a league or anything, so we're not sticking to any like rules. So, it was a it was a loose, uh, even par on the on the nine holes, but hey, we had a blast. That's that's always the best part. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing you know, I mentioned Shawnee Hills. And that's a that's a Metro Parks course, and everything the Metro Parks touches basically turns to lush green um, goodness. One thing I'd love to do at one of these one of these times is, and, and that's Bedford. You can wham that with the right hand. Um, <laughs> one thing I'd love to do one of these times is like over a course of like two or three months, go out and play each of the the Metro Parks golf courses, mm. and like come back and each week do a review on each one. So starting with like on the west side with Big Met, Little Met, and Mastic Woods, yeah. Then in the south with Sleepy Hollow and Seneca, and then making your way over to the east to Shawnee Hills and to Manakiki, which, oddly enough, Manakiki I think is the only one of the seven I've not played previously. Yeah, I've never played Manakiki. Manakiki is up in Highland Heights on the north <coughs> side of town. Yeah. And I my understanding is is that it's they say it's the most challenging of the seven, but it's got to be really challenging to be harder than Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow is tough. Yeah. So that's a little bit of intrigue on that one. Me- Big Met is the one that's the most popular and gets the most play, um, to my understanding. But uh, still. Yeah, Big, Met's a, uh, Big Met is very close to my work. So um, before the pandemic, uh, we used to play there a decent amount, just like go play nine after work. A couple buddies from work we would do. We'd play Big Met. Big Met is, is a really nice course. They get something like 180,000 rounds a year. It's crazy. It's, yeah. Nuts. Crazy. Well, anyway, uh, turning gears away from golf a little bit, we actually, what is it, the PGA Championships is, what, 10 days away now? Yeah, and it was just announced today Tiger's not going to play. That's too bad. Uh, so that stinks. Um, but, yeah, PGA is coming up. Well, PGA yeah. is coming up, and then uh, is in the U.S. Open in June? The U.S. Open is the next one after that, June, Father's Day weekend. And then the Open is? July. July, like mid July. Yeah. So 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 we're going month by month with majors, pretty much, because the PGA Championship used to be in August. And That's right. In May. That's right. So I didn't really understand, but they hey. They feel yeah. Like so they now get so, so, ma- so major se- major season is over in July now. Yeah. The golf season's very odd. It doesn't compute with our seasons at all because it starts no. in January, like out in Hawaii, and then like the FedEx Cup, I think, is in September. Like yeah. so, their season's over in September. Whereas, like some of the best golf we get here is in the fall. <coughs> 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 When's the next Ryder Cup? 
Is that next year? Uh, late September. Hmm. Like the last weekend in September is when. Oh, the it's Ryder, this year. Ryder Cup usually, and yeah, because of. Well, originally it was an odd numbered years, and then after nine eleven, they postponed the one because That's it right. was just like the next week they postponed <coughs> it for a year. And then 2020 got postponed for a year, so now they're back on the odd-numbered years. That's right. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so last time around, it was at Whistling Straits, I believe, and the U.S. team absolutely romped uh, over Team Europe. So this time, they are going to Europe to play, and in fact, they are playing at the Marco Simeone Golf and Country Club in Rome. Ah, It is the first time nice. that they have ever played in Italy. Very nice. Hopefully, uh, France, Francisco Mar- Molinaro will be a... Uh... Oh, I'm sure he's going to be uh, very prominently featured. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. 29th of September through 1st October. Yeah, I mean, he's. I mean, no matter if he plays good or bad this year, he's going to be a captain pick, no doubt about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, interesting. Golf season is plugging along, and we're finally getting weather here to where we can go out and play consistently. So Indeed. Yeah. I know you've got your league on Thursday nights. How's that going so far? Uh, so we last week was weird because the sun decided to come out like late in the afternoon on Thursday because yeah. the whole week had been terrible up to that right. point. I had already canceled that week's play prior oh. to that point because there was just so much rain. Yeah. Uh, but we'll be back out there this week. We actually played three rounds in April this year, which is the first time we've ever done that in my commissionership. Interesting. So, uh, going back to 2015, it's just usually not – very easy to pull off. But. Oh, I didn't know you were the you were the commissioner now. Oh, I've been the commissioner. This is my ninth year, actually, <laughs> being the commissioner. Well, I'm not in the league, so I guess I, I've so. got that. I've got I, I can I can I can claim ignorance. So I didn't know you were the the le- the uh, commissioner of the Big Putters, the Big Putters Golf League, Casa <laughs> Creek Thursday nights. Yeah. Yep. Very nice. We got 17 teams this year, up from 16, which is annoying as hell. Is in that terms still scheduling? Is that still predominantly uh, people from Sherman Williams? Predominantly, yes. Uh, Sherman Williams and associated brands like Valspar and stuff like that. Got it. All the paint so, people. Yeah. You don't got anybody from Pioneer yet. Nobody. Had, nobody asked in from Pioneer. So. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, maybe next year. Maybe. I did. I did play in that league once. I think you did play for a little while I, I don't remember when that was i was like <laughs> that might have been 2015 2016 roughly yeah i can't remember i, I we were a co- um we were a copper top at that time mm, i believe yes copper top or mallard creek was we, it ever at mallard creek we did go to mallard creek for one year and they i think it was mallard creek we didn't like that and we ended up changing from there yeah i think i might have filled in a couple times at copper top but i think i actually played a season with you guys at mallard that would have been 2019 Maybe it wasn't Mallard. It was a long time ago. Mm, okay. I, I don't think it was Copper Because Mallard, okay, that might have been before I was the commissioner. That would have been like yeah, 2011, so. 2012. Yeah. The, and nothing against Mallard Creek, but the thing that annoyed me and my dad most about Mallard Creek is that, you know, I don't tend to hit approach shots in the green or chip shots very high. So they end up usually bouncing in front and then rolling on. Mm-hmm. They run most of their cart paths in front of the green. <laughs> so you are running the risk of having it land on the cart path and go like 20 yards over the green. Well, it depends on what nine you're playing on because uh, me and my brother and my dad on my birthday about a month ago now. God, I can't believe it's been a month since my birthday. 
We played. Well, you at got Mallard. some amazingly good weather on your birthday this year. Yeah, and we played Mallard. We played the Lake Nine, which uh, has that uh, the ninth hole is that one where you got to hit the tee box over the over the uh, the lake. Yep, it's got that long uh, long golf cart bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have very many holes that had uh, car pass going across the front of the green. What we did have was. Pro, it had to be some punk kid got got a hold of a golf cart and turfed like six of the greens on that nine. Oh, yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> so they have they have like uh they have like they have it like patched, but it's gonna take years, unless they just take one year where they shut that nine down and they just reconstruct every single green. Oh, it's gonna my. take years for the for that green Goodness those greens. It was gracious. probably like four of them, four of the greens just turfed. Was it the same guy who turfed Brown Stadium? <laughs> I might be. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So anyway, um, now that you guys have all turned off this podcast because we're talking about we're talking about golf. golf? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there is a lot of golf. There should be a lot of golf there listeners. Be golf, golf is great out there. People golf should be great. ready to play. It's May. Anyway, it's yeah. Yeah, it's true. That is true. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's get into it. Uh, let's talk about um, the team that is swinging the bat worse than you and I would right now. Uh, that is the Cleveland Guardians, who have scored in their last 10 games. How many runs do you think the Guardians have scored in the last 10 games? Just don't even think about it. Just give me a number. The only thing I confess to seeing is that they scored zero in their last game. Yeah, today they scored um, zero. Ridiculous. Uh, I'm going to guess 14. Wow, you're actually low. It's 19. Okay. This team has bad. scored less than two runs in a game in their last 10 games. <sighs> two! Ay, ay, ay. The, the amount of stress that is like on our starting pitching staff, who is already taxed because of injury, could you imagine being a starting pitcher knowing that you can't give up two runs? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a hard life. Really? Yeah. And that's why 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 our our starting pitching numbers, although they've been better recently, they aren't that great over the beginning of the season. I don't give them any blame whatsoever. If you can't score more than two runs in a game, how in the how on earth can you blame pitching? Which I'm not saying anybody is. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to, you know, the Guardians are off to a slow start. And again, they they technically they do this every year. But this is this is really bad as far as the offense is concerned. To the point where I've become a little bit of a cynic, I guess, in the early season because last Wednesday night they were playing the Yankees and they were up 3-2 to two going into the ninth inning and I said, well, the Yankees are probably just going to win this on a walk-off and sure enough, yeah. they did. Yeah. So that that got, you know, it was a bit of a tone setter for this whole thing. That They lost that series uh, two games to one to the Yankees. They come home, they face the Twins. The first game, they get blanked 2 nothing. They win the next game 4-3, to three, and then they come back and blank the Twins 2 nothing to actually win that series two games to one, even though they only scored six runs the whole series. Then they play against the Tigers, and for whatever reason, the Guardians just can't seem to beat the Tigers this year. They get blanked. Yeah. They get beat 6-2 to two in the first game. They come back, blank the Tigers 2 nothing in, in the next game before getting blanked themselves 5 nothing today. Scoring a grand total of four runs in this series. So that's ten runs in the last six games. Um, and, yeah, if you go back to the Yankees series, 
uh, yeah, it ends up being 19 over the last nine, which is, and then they only had one the previous game against the Red Sox. So it's, it's been really brutal um, trying to score. And again, as you said, this is not unusual. The Guardians <coughs> tend to have these kinds of issues in April and May every year. And the, you know, the funny thing about it is that if you look, if you expand this out a little bit, um, the Guardians are actually now in third place. They fell behind the Tigers, right? Uh, because we because today. we can't beat them. I think we've lost four out of six to start the season against them. Yeah, terrible. Um, they're seven and eleven at home, which is also terrible. Horrible. Um, and here's something you'll like. So the Twins are in first place in the AL Central at nineteen mm-hmm. and seventeen. The Guardians are two and a half games back. The New York Yankees are twenty-one and seventeen, a game in front of the Twins. Yeah, they're last. They are last yep. in the AL East. They would be first in our division. They're last in theirs. Yeah, yeah. The AL Central is horrible. Oh, I mean, that's that's gracious. that's the reason why. That's the reason why I'm not just giving up on the on the season already because no, that's how you poorly can. they've been. Is because the division is that bad. I mean, you could win the division this year with 85 wins. It's looking like. You know, and, and we were in this mode last May, and then in July and August it turned to, well, that's great, we're going to win the division, but we're going to be out in the first round and probably not win any games in the first round. And then that turned into a, oh, my, we're on a big run. They might actually do something here. And well, techni- that, technically they did lose in the first round. That turned into a season, uh, to a playoff opening sweep of the, the Rays before going down in five games against the Yankees. Um which arguably was probably their ceiling last year. Right now, it's the early returns are looking like that's probably their ceiling again this year. But right now, the Guardians need, number one, they need to get pitchers healthy. That's their biggest issue. But honestly, at least in the long term, what's going on with the bats, I'm sure, is going to turn around. It's just, I mean, here, here's they one. Can't, they can't be this bad over here's the course one of thing. the season. Why can't we find a catcher that can hit? Most teams seem to have that problem, to be fair. Mike Zanino has 78 at-bats this year. He struck out 40 times. That's more than half. Yeah. He's batting 179. They signed him, and they're like, oh, well, you know, yeah, he might strike out a lot, but he might hit home, he might hit a lot of home runs. He has two home runs. Two! So we should just call him Michael K. Zanino. I mean, he's so bad, I'm longing for the day when Austin Hedges was our catcher. Hmm. Set 40 strikeouts in 78 at-bats. There's more than a 1-2 in chance that this guy comes up, he's going to strike out. Oh, by the way... Most years, the Guardians can get away with that by saying that, oh, he's a really good uh, defensive catcher. Mike you know, you know, leads the league in pass balls. Wow. In case you need him. Oh, jeez. Listen, I don't mean to pile on Mike Zanino. He's been, you know, he's he's one of my Paisan brethren. He's, but I mean, it's just a microcosm of what's going on with this offense. Let me let me read you the current batting averages for these Guardians players. Steven Kwan, 265. Okay, but that's not great for your leadoff hitter. Ahmed Rosario, 234. Jose Ramirez, 270. That that the 270 is okay for for 2023 MLB, but it's not good enough for Jose Ramirez. Josh Bell, 219. 
Some guy named David Fry. I have no idea who that is. Is batting 200. Uh, Tyler Freeman had two hits. He came up from AAA. He's batting 364, but he's only had about 10 at-bats. Uh, the aforementioned Mike Zanino, 179. Gabriel Arias, 204. And Miles Straw, who started red hot, is now batting a paltry 229. Hmm. Just awful. And, you know, Peyton Battenfield is one of these pitchers that we've brought up because we've we've been so injury-stricken with our starting pitcher this year. He went six innings, gave up uh, four earned runs. It's not a great start, but usually if you if you if you start the game and you go six innings and you only give up four runs, you have a pretty decent chance of winning a game. That start gives this team a almost zero percent chance of winning any game right now. You can't give up four runs. That's double what you can give up right now for us to win. Yeah. If you look at the, the games that they've won recently, two of them were 2-0. You know, yeah. One of them was, I think, 3-2. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. It's bad. And, you know, it, it, they're not winning. And what's, you know, what's even worse is they're not even entertaining. No. It's boring baseball. Even for, you know, the, the quick uh, pitch clock and – you know, games getting over quickly, so you're not, you know, sitting watching your TV for four hours watching the same. Could you imagine if they were losing these games and these games were like three and a half, four hours long? <laughs> and at least they're only like two and a two and a half hours long. But yeah, they're they are bad, bad. And again, this team it, it it's it's the youngest team in baseball, but. I'm not using that as an excuse because they were the youngest team in baseball last year and they won the division and won 92 games. That's not an excuse. No. They have to be better than this. And again, this could be a situation where a lot of guys, and especially a lot of young guys, last year maybe the Guardians just struck lightning in the bottle and they got a lot of players that came up and were young and Last year was the best that they're going to be. I mean, they've already sent down Oscar Gonzalez because he can't hit anything. That's he was sad. He was one of the heroes last year. Yeah. Dude hit a home run to, to win a – I don't really consider the wild card three-game series a playoff series, but in effect, a series in the playoffs. Yeah. And he's already, you know, one month in, and he's he's back down to the minors because he wasn't get, he wasn't hitting the ball, so they weren't playing him up in, major league, in the majors. So Terry Francona said that he just needs to get at-bats. He needs to get consistent at-bats, so they sent him down. He's still yeah. really young, so you know he might come back up, but it's just bad right now. It's so bad, and I get it. Baseball, it's 162 games. Like, you know, they'll probably turn it around at some point, but, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But it could be a situation where last year, like I said, they might have just hit lightning in a bottle with a lot of these guys. Maybe, because the team was arguably ahead of schedule last year. Yeah. Particularly in the second half of the season. Yeah. And, you know, usually you can judge a team based on a quarter of a season. So that's about 40 games. We're about there. Yeah, we're almost there. We're at like 35. Although I would I would argue with the Guardians, you almost have to wait till midseason because it seems like a lot of years they own the round into form until then. So... Yeah, I the guess. Hope, the hope and is again, that they're not like 10 or 15 games under 500 by then. Right. It's a good thing, though, is 10 to 15 games under 500, they might still be within 10 may, games of the division You may not lead. be out, yeah. 
that's the crazy thing and that's the thing that's just that's just making me not go off right now is they you know they have they have probably the best manager in baseball who's a future hall of famer so he's not panicking but they got to start scoring runs and you know how baseball is they're going to start scoring runs and then they're not going to be able to get anybody out so they're going to start losing games 8 to 6 you know 9 8 stuff like that hmm. but hopefully hopefully it gets turned around i'm not going to be too hard on them because again you have Tito Francona as a manager, even though our starting pitching is very injured right now. You still have good pitching on this club and in this farm system, so that's always going to keep you in it. But they've got to start scoring some runs, man. My goodness, hit some home runs, jeez. Who had more scoring today, the Cleveland Guardians or AC Milan? Oh, really? You had to. You had to do that, didn't you? The answer was neither, if you need them. Yeah. So, well, I've talked about AC Milan when, when we've won in the Champions League, so I guess i got to bring it up. They lost 2 nothing today to their city rival Inter uh, in the Champions League semifinals. I'm actually counting my lucky stars that it was only 2 nothing because it could have been about 3-4 to nothing by halftime, and at, that, and at that point the tie is over. Yeah. AC Milan, they didn't have their best player today who's out with injury. They're hoping to get him back for the second leg. And if that happens, AC Milan could very well win the second leg 2 nothing. You know, technically this the first leg was at home, but they're going they're playing in the same stadium for both legs. So there's it no Yeah, it doesn't matter. Right. So it's not like, oh, we have to go to a hostile environment. Like it's the same I mean, thing. It's going to be largely a 50-50 environment for both games. So, um yeah, it was tough. It was a tough game, especially, you know, Inter scored both their goals in the first, like, 15 minutes of the game. So, you know. You yeah, pretty, it was like, you know, first round, you know, you pretty much knockdowns. Yeah, you pretty much yeah. were out of it in the first quarter of the match. Um, but uh, I still I still believe, you know, you just got to get it to 2 nothing uh, by the end of the 90 in the second leg, and then you go to extra time and if you need it, penalties. So... Not impossible to turn that around. No, but if but if Inter would have gotten to three to four nothing in this game, it, uh, it would have been done. Yeah, because you know they could pretty much just park the bus and kick it around the midfield for nine yeah, minutes, essentially. If, so if it was it, you that. know if if AC Milan can score quick in the second leg and make it two to one, then then it's going to be an open game because, I mean, what's Inter going to do? Just def- try and defend for seventy minutes? Probably not. And if they do, they're going to get burned probably. So, hopefully, we get uh, Rafael Leao. Uh, back for the second leg, who's our best player. He's one of the best players in Europe. Uh, announced not officially by the club yet, but it was announced that he signed a new he signed a new extension this week. So uh, the club has his has him inked until 2028 now, which is fantastic news because he was going to be going into a contract year, and at that point, you're either going to lose him for free or you're going to have to sell him at a discounted rate. So the fact that they were able to sign him to a long term contract. Um, is fantastic. So even even in the event where you feel like you have to sell him, you can sell him at top uh, top value. So yeah, so that was huge. The way it works in soccer basically is it's almost like when a guy gets to one year left on the contract, that almost is the equivalent of free agency. Pretty much. Once you get inside six months, a guy can walk for free, and no club wants that. So it's it's no. at that point it becomes in that summer where he's got a year left. It's almost like kind of. The sharks are circling at that point. You just kind of have to 
yeah, see if who they, gets the biggest bid. Yeah, if they didn't if they didn't get the if they didn't get the extension worked out uh, before the end of the season, they were they were going to sell them in the summer transfer market. So, yeah. so they got that done, and uh, you know, wasn't the result we wanted today, but uh, I still think they're in it. Um, you know, they, they, the thing that they say about soccer is the uh, the toughest lead to hold is two nothing. So we'll see how that goes over the effect of two games rather than like being up two nothing and then, you know, giving it up right away. But I was really hoping in that second half that Milan could have gotten a goal back and it could have been two to one going into the return leg. They had a bunch of chances. They played much better in the second half. They just couldn't put a chance away. Um, they had one rattle off the post. Uh, they had a bunch of other chances. They just, you know, they couldn't finish one. So what are you going to do? You know, yep. we'll see. But I just, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of, uh, I don't mean to go on a, on a tangent here, but there's a bunch of, bunch of fans from a bunch of teams that, that were in comments on Twitter and stuff like people from Arsenal and Tottenham and obviously Juventus and, you know, enter. Okay, fine. Like you guys just beat us. Like, yeah, talk your, talk your shit basically. Right. But, uh, and Arsenal Fans of Arsenal, you've had a good season. Yeah, you're going to finish second. You're going to you blew the league again. Well, not again because you're usually not in there for the league title, but you blew the league. And uh I'm sorry. Did you guys play in the Champions League this year? Oh, no. Wait. Did you got guys get knocked out of the Europa Did you guys get knocked out of the Europa League in like the like the, like the quarter, quarterfinals of the round of 16 or something? Is yeah. that what happened? Okay. Yeah. Talk to me. I got 7 of those uh, uh, Champions League trophies. How many does Arsenal have? I don't think they have any. Zero. Mm. So don't talk to me about this. Something that you don't know nothing about. <laughs> and don't talk about. And that goes that goes double for Tottenham. I was say don't talk about Tottenham and trophies. Because we eliminated seconds. your freaking ass. Yeah. You want to know why you're not in the Champions League semifinals? Because we dispatched of you pretty easily. Yeah. Guys didn't, didn't even Tottenham sc- didn't even score. didn't even score over two games. <laughs> yeah. Get the hell out of here. I know you're an EPL fan, but the EPL that just drives me crazy. That's why I'm I am praying that even though I, even though I really don't want to see Real, listen to this conundrum. Okay, let's let's say Milan doesn't come back from two nothing down and Inter goes to the final. Yeah, I'm not rooting for Inter. No, that that'd be well. Now hang on a nope, second. No, no, no. This is where you and I differ. No, no. No, this this would be like me rooting for the Steelers to win the Super Bowl. There's no scenario where that's acceptable. There's no scenario where Inter winning. Oh, because it makes the Serie A look better. I don't care. Maybe if it was Udinese. It's not just that the it's the makes the league look better. It's the fact that the two other alternatives are Real Madrid, who's won like 15 billion titles, <coughs> and Manchester City, like the od- most odious team in well, world that, football. Well, that, that's, what that's what I'm talking about. This is, this is my conundrum. Yeah. I, I'm going to root for my city it's rival? The, there's no good outcome here, is there? I mean, could you, would you, would you really think, let's, let's say, say City uh, does the deal against Real Madrid and gets to the final. You think a single Manchester United fan is going to root for a City fan to win the Champions League? I don't think Manchester United cares so much about City, which is, oh, which is weird. I, I disagree. Because I, I disagree. Like their bigger rival was Liverpool. Uh, yeah, but I disagree. I disagree because because if you're if you're you it, it is historically you think they would care. It is more. historically because City has historically stunk. But 
But if 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 City were to go on to win the Champions League, City fans could now boast winning the Champions League and several EPL titles since the last time United did either of those. Yeah. And they're your cross-city rival. Not only that, but those two teams play in the FA Cup final the week before that. So yeah. that could be another thumb to the eye for either team. So, yeah, I, I got to be honest with you. Even though it would give them another one, I, I would probably have to root for Madrid. Real Madrid. I they mean, are coached by an AC Milan legend. Of all these teams playing, Madrid is the only city I've been to and actually understand the culture of. So, I mean, if, in my case, I mean, that's probably who I'd be supporting at this yeah. point, even though they but anyway, win it all the time. Hey, I'm, you know, Milan's going to come back down 2 nothing. That would be awesome. Yeah. They did that. And then I know everybody says, oh, well, they, they wouldn't have a chance against City or Real Madrid in the final. Please. It's one game. Yeah, you it's one know. game. Yeah, at, nobody thought Chelsea had a chance of beating City a couple years ago in the in the Champions League final. They did. Yeah. You know, not to repeat with Chelsea, but was there there was a year where they finished twelfth in the league and they won the Champions League. I think that's a bit of an exaggeration. I think they were sixth, but still, no, I think not they even were worse finishing than the that. top, not even finishing top four. And and on top of that, they played that final against Bayern Munich in Bayern Munich Stadium, yeah, the Allianz Arena. Yeah, so and they managed to score late and then win a penalty shootout. It certainly is possible, um, but anyway, so that's that's your Champions League roundup, whether you wanted to hear it or not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I gotta be fair. I'm I'm on here gloating when they win. I gotta be here and talk about it when they lose. They lost earlier today, so it's fresh in my mind. Uh, let's move on to the NBA. We have two, three-one series potential. Elimination games, game fives tonight. Do either one of them get it done? That being the Knicks, uh, the the Heat going to Madison Square Garden for game five up 3-1, to one, and the Lakers going to Golden State up 3-1. Do either of them close out their series? I don't think the Lakers do, and I'm not just saying that because apparently I'm just a huge Lakers homer, and I just can't or not Homer, a huge Laker hater, and just can't seem to come to grips with them being as good as they are because of their seed number. Yeah. Um, I just think the Warriors are really good at home, and they will probably have a game where they shoot well, and that is pretty much the, the end of that. But at this point, it's if I were to expand on that, I, I, I can't see the Warriors coming back because they're just trash on the road. Yeah. I can't see them winning a game six in L.A. Um. Before we get to the Knicks, I gotta tell you, there was a Mike Greenberg had a take today that almost that almost made me fall out of my chair. He thinks it's best for the Lakers if they don't even play LeBron or Anthony Davis tonight. Essentially, give up the game and put all of their eggs into Game Six. Don't even try. Hold on. Now, hang on. If if those two guys were like semi-injured, yeah. I could maybe see that argument. But otherwise, no, because you're not playing back-to-backs right. in the playoffs. I mean, what what purpose would that serve? And they no don't sense. play game six. They play game six on Friday. Um, So game six would be Friday. Game seven, if there is one, would be Sunday. But we're thinking that's probably not going to be the case. Yeah. Um. I thought that was one of the most asinine things I've ever heard in my life. That was crazy. How could he say that? The playoffs. 
You don't give up playoff games. Yeah. If you do that, you're essentially putting the pressure and weight of the entire world on that team for game six. Yeah. Because what you're saying is our only chance to win, and this might actually be true because but but you never you never actually do that. The only chance for the Lakers to win the series is game six at home. Which again might end up being true because I can't I, I don't know if I really see although it is LeBron and I would take LeBron in any game seven scenario. Uh he's done it before against the Warriors on the road. But I don't know if I would feel great about the rest of the Lakers in a game seven on the road against that team. So he might be right in that regard, but you can't do that in the playoffs. That just you sounds... can't just sit your two best players in the playoffs because you have essentially are saying you have a game in hand. You might lose the locker room if you do that. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was so asinine. But yeah, terrible. Yeah. So anyway, so you then, don't you don't think the Lakers win tonight? No, I think that. In fact, you asked me before we came on, would the Warriors cover the seven point five spread? I do think they will. So you so you think it's it's trending towards blowout tonight? I yes, I think it'll be similar I, to game two. I te- maybe not quite to that extent, but it'll be yeah, you know, probably teens. I tend to agree with you with that. Um, in fact, I agreed with you so much. I mean, it was only five bucks, but I placed a five dollar wager on. Warriors minus seven and a half. I I'm think so the game. Flattered. I think the game is close-ish within ten most of the game, and then the Warriors have one of their three-point barrages, like late third into the fourth quarter, where they go up by like sixteen, seventeen, and then it, essentially the Lakers just pack it in. Yeah, that's how I kind of see the game game going tonight. Although I will say, after what the after what Philly did to Boston last night in their game five and essentially just shoved it up Boston's ass and that played was a beautiful thing played basically the best they played as basically I I don't think the Sixers can play better than they played last night they were great all three of their big guys of their big guns played well on the road in a must-win game five that being Embiid Harden and uh Tyrese Maxey were all great. Embiid and Maxi both had 30 plus and James Hart James Harden damn near had a triple double on eight shots. So he was highly efficient. Um which is not always the case with uh James Harden, but uh yeah. So if the Lakers come out and play like the Sixers did in their game 5, maybe they can end the I mean, it would take an effort like that. That didn't end I the mean. series, but yeah, it would. It would take the Lakers. I, I, the Lakers would have to play the, their best game of the season tonight to win. I think. Mm-hmm. Now that that notwithstanding, I do think the Lakers are gonna are gonna end it in six if it gets there because, like you said, the Warriors are putrid on the road this Terrible. whole season, regular season and play and playoffs. In five games so far in the playoffs, they've won one game on the yeah. road. Luckily, which that is was, bad that for was, them. That was all they needed to win in the first round. Which is bad for them Histori- historically. Uh, historically, they're they're good on they're good on the road. I mean, yeah. they, they over the last ten years, they've been one of the best dynasties in in I mean, the it, NBA. It makes sense if you're winning championships, you got to be able to win on the road. So. Yeah. But so, anyway, over to the other series, uh, the other game five tonight. Quite frankly, the Knicks should have been swept. 
in this series. This is they making, were lucky to get this through is game making two. our performance against them so incredibly frustrating. Yeah. This Knicks team stinks. They're not very good. And like we said, it wasn't because of any sort of X's and O's or basketball skill or anything that they were doing to beat the Cavs. They just out physical and out yeah. out muscled us. We absolutely to win the shrunk. I mean that's, in the moment. that's all they did. Like, you know, every single time yeah. you know, late situation, you know, would they make the first shot? No, but they get the offensive rebound, they get a second and third opportunity, and might they might doesn't score there. Yeah. Not not that's not flying against Miami. No, we absolutely yeah. shrunk in the moment. And it was yeah. <sighs> Point. That's frustrating. Quite frankly, I think Miami puts New York out of their misery tonight. It's quite r- remarkable. That's interesting because you you in the other series you say that you just can't get behind the Lakers winning because they're a seven seed. You're about to take an, an eight seed to the Eastern Conference Finals. I know it, it's hard to believe, but yeah. the difference is, is that the opponent doesn't have a championship pedigree, yeah. like the Warriors do. That's true. So I feel a little bit more confident that Miami will, could be able to get it done. Yeah. And the other side of it is that the Knicks don't have anybody to defend Jimmy Butler. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Butler's your father. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, back when he was on the Bulls. Yeah, we were playing, we were the playing them in the playoffs. playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's crazy. You think about the amount. Of, like, for as good of a player as he is, the amount of teams he's played for. He's played for the for, uh, Bulls, who does, he, Timberwolves. Sixers. Uh, Sixers. Uh, Miami. Miami. Who else? Was there somebody else in there? It is weird for somebody that good to move around that much. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I think. I think you and I are actually in agreement. I actually think the Heat win tonight too. Hmm. And uh, that game is actually going on as we speak. Obviously, um, we will know by the time you're listening to this. And it's the end of the first quarter. The Heat are up 24-14. to 14. So, thanks for coming out. Oh, the Knicks came out about as bad as the Cavs did in Game 5 of the yeah. first round. <laughs> yeah. Maybe um, worse. So, one last thing that I wanted to talk about uh, before we ended our show tonight was I wanted to make sure we gave our uh, sympathies, thoughts, and prayers to the Gilbert family. Um, Dan Gilbert's son, Nick, who... Um, most people know as the Cavs draft lottery good luck charm. He's the what's not to like kid with the bow tie. Uh, Nick passed away uh, this past week um, with a lifelong battle of uh, NF uh, neurofibrotosis, I think is what it's called, mm. um, which is a uh, which is a disease where uh, tumors develop essentially at random all across your body and uh, on the brain. So he's. He's dealt with that his entire life. He passed away at 26. So um, thoughts and prayers go out to the Gilbert family. Um, you know, he was our good luck charm in a lot of our dark times uh, as as uh, Cavs basketball fans. You know, most notably, uh, he was our representative at the draft lottery when we got the number one pick, which turned into Kyrie Irving, which set in motion uh, the Cavs winning their first NBA championship. Uh, he was also our representative uh, in getting the first pick in 2013 when we drafted Anthony Bennett. That didn't turn out so well, but at least, you know, he he he. That he, whole draft was ridiculously terrible. He couldn't have he couldn't have any control on who we were picking, but you know, he got us the pick. So um, there I think were only I think maybe the, five halfway decent NBA players that came out of that whole draft yeah. that year. Um, 
So I uh, I wanted to just send our, our sympathies here from the podcast to the Gilbert family. Uh, his brother, who's uh, kind of helping his dad, I guess, run the team. You know, Dan's had obviously had, had his health issues over the last few years. Um, uh, Grant uh, posted a really touching tribute on Instagram for his brother. Um, so thoughts and prayers to the Gilbert family, and uh, uh, rest in peace, Nick. Just to get a little bit of an idea of what he was dealing with, neurofibromatosis is a condition that causes tumors to form in the brain, spinal cord, and nerves. Yeah. Type 1 usually appears in childhood, while types 2 and 3 appear in early adulthood. Type 1 can cause bone deformities, learning disabilities, and high blood pressure. Type 2 is known to cause hearing loss, vision loss, and difficulty with balance, and type 3 is known to cause chronic pain throughout the body. It's just a really nasty condition. Yeah, so he, um, you know, from from uh, from everything we've heard, he had not been doing well recently, and uh, unfortunately this this last battle uh, ended up uh, taking his life. So, um, mm. again, our thoughts to the entire Cavs organization um, and the Gilbert family. So, um, you know, like I said, rest in peace, Nick. So uh, I think that's pretty much going to do it for us in this episode of Living Off the Land. Um, you know, we are in a period of essentially no man's land right now. We're talking about Cleveland sports. Uh, it's the boring part of baseball season. Uh, the NFL is in their slumber, although I guess... Long way off still. I guess the schedule officially comes out tomorrow. So next week's episode, we can play the, we can play the, the, uh, the schedule game. Oh, nice. Um, I can't wait for that. Yeah, I know. And then uh, the NBA, we're in the playoffs, and uh, the Cavaliers got eliminated in the first round. So, And the Cavs don't have a first-round pick this year, so it's not like we talk NBA draft. I mean, what is the deal with these drafts? We just never have first-round picks in any draft. Listen, listen, we've gone <laughs> – listen, how many years have we gone having a top three pick and just suck? I, I, I'm fine – listen, it remains to be seen – how the Browns are going to do this year. I know you and I probably have differing opinions on that based on the quarterback. Uh, but the Cavs were – it was a sour ending, but the Cavs were in the playoffs and won 50 games. Yeah. I don't want to hear the team say that. So, oh, we had a good year. We won 51 games. Get the hell out of here. Has lost to a team that's about to get that's about to get walked Stomped in the second by round. an eight seed. Yeah, so. Um, but uh, there's that, and uh, – you know, whenever the Guardians' bats wake up, hopefully they'll start putting stringing some wins together. So, but uh, yeah. So next week, get ready for the schedule game, folks, because that's probably what we're going to be talking about mostly. Mm-hmm. And then I'll probably either be in a uh, extremely well. No, the the second leg is on Tuesday. So well, if if we do come back from two two nil down, I'll probably be in a great mood next Wednesday. Oh uh, yes, you. If will. they don't, I'll probably still be in a crappy mood. So uh, we'll see what happens next week. And uh, until then, you can follow us on social media at Stiffs McGee and at Daniel J. Ford. You can follow the show at the LOTL podcast. And this has been episode 257. We appreciate you guys listening if you're still listening out there. And we'll catch you guys next week. See you. See you later.